Mogul Motivation, empowering and inspiring entrepreneurs and dream chasers worldwide, one week at a time. Presented by True Stories Media, and I'm your host, Antoine Twiz-Taylor. Dr. Betty Allen didn't choose medicine. Medicine chose her. A lot of people have mentors and inspirations in their chosen field that they go into, their profession. She didn't have any of that growing up in Harvey, Illinois, but on this episode of Aspire Higher, she's going to tell us how she overcame all the obstacles in high school, undergrad, graduation, and med school to get to where she is today and where she ultimately wants to go in the future. So without further ado, Dr. Betty Allen. At what point did you decide to become a doctor? Oh, that is a really, really hard question for me to answer because um, I, it was, I was a very, very young age, I would say that. Okay. I okay. would say in elementary school. Um, wow. I always knew I loved science. Yes, I was always, uh, you could ask any of my siblings or my mom, I was the one digging the backyard, like exploring things, looking at bugs and reading. And I knew I wanted to do something in the sciences. And I, I just enjoy learning. Like, to be honest, like, I enjoy learning. I enjoy, enjoy like, figuring out how things work. Mm-hmm. And I would say really towards the end of elementary school into middle school is when, like, I knew I wanted to be a doctor because I love the human body. Like, I started to, you know, read, like, how our bodies function. Yeah. And um, it sort of went there. And... I saw the movie, Something the Lord Made. It is, I, never I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Yeah, so most deaf plays, he plays Vivian Thomas. Vivian Thomas, um, and this ain't an age to be a surgeon, but at the time, this was during the 1950s, because he was black, he's what you call a surgical tech. He was just a technician, but yeah. he is the one who discovered the surgical, the first surgical procedure for a congenital heart defect. So after I saw that movie, I mean, I was blown away. And it was that I saw myself in his shoes. Like I saw myself doing that operation. And I think for me, that's when not only did I know I wanted to be a doctor, but I wanted to be a surgeon. Mm. So it's kind of like, um, you didn't choose this field. This field chose you. That's what it sounds like. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Yes. Because and... at a very young age, you was just infatuated. And, you know, I just like, um, I don't like to use the word obsessed, but it seems like you was obsessed with just seeking knowledge on mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. things work. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I was like, I mean, you know, like my my older brother, Antonio, and Cleo, they used to call me weird. And like, Cleo would, would always say like, well, you have to read everything. And I would read the back of like, Toothpaste, you know, the toothpaste bottle, yeah, cereal. Packages. I used to do like, that when I was bored too. <laughs> like, oh, what's in here? Like, how do you know what's in here? Yeah, so, you know, I would just, I would just always like trying to figure out the nuts and bolts of things, and it just rolled, you know, spiraled into the human body, and I just hooked on it, and it's just been that way ever since. Now, was anyone in your family involved in the medical field, or no? Nope, nope. Uh, but wow. I would say my cousin Tanisha, she is a nurse in the military. So she's probably the only connection to healthcare, but I have like no professors, no doctors in my family. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So you made, so, um, 
like we said, being a doctor, being a surgeon chose you at an early age, right? That's what we're going to roll. It did because so, like I had no exposure. Right. Uh, I had no idea how it was, you know, how you even go about trying to be a doctor, you know, like knowing the right people, knowing like what to, you know, like the different books I need to study, um, what's the going to the best colleges like you know like I had no sort of help or guidance on that and I know a lot of people in my profession they do you know they've been blessed to have parents uncles or a family friend or a, a colleague of their parents who are physicians and surgeons and they're able to um, have access to that world where I did not pretty much you know just ground from the bottom and just try to get as much experience like the shadowing and um, talking with physicians and doing anything in the healthcare, you know, volunteer opportunities that I could. And that's pretty much how I, like I kept myself connected to it. Yeah. So let's, let's um, dive a little deeper into that. So how does, yeah. a, how does a, a young black woman from Harvey, Illinois mm-hmm. with no type of medical professionals in her family or, you know, probably in her community, how do you navigate yeah. that? How do you keep that dream alive? And you say, and you know, you tell yourself, I want to be a doctor. So I need to do this. I need to do that. How did you navigate through, you know, um, high school and ultimately into college, which I'm sure you majored into something mm-hmm. in, in a, yep. you know, um, your, your major dealt with medicine. How did you get there? Like, how did you navigate? Yeah. Through that? Oh, so um, I would say, in high school, about sophomore year of high school, I kind of, I kind of knew, um, you know, I wanted to be a doctor, but I also knew I decided in my mind very like early on about the the um, universities I wanted to go to, and they were pretty much all um, heavy research buildings. I mean, institutions, um, and, and I knew that they would be good for me in terms of. Uh, being like the next stepping stone and helped me to get into med school. So I chose, you know, honestly, I chose Ivy League and private schools to apply to um, for college, for undergrad. Yeah. Um, which you don't have to do. I, I so Anyone who wants to be a physician, go to the school that you're going to love, that you're going to have fun, that you know that you're going to get the best education. Um and just work hard. That's what I did. You know, I still work hard. I went, I was blessed to um, be admitted to the University of Chicago. Um, so I wasn't far from home, but it was, you know, it's a really good school that we have in our own backyard. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, you know, I went there, you know, they're obviously big in biology and medicine. So I did some shadowing when I was an undergrad and I think, and I shadowed a pulmonologist because I love the heart and lungs and I, I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. So shadowing, I remember Dr. John Kress, like he, you know, when I went to, with him to see his patients, I shadowed him like every week. I mean, it was like, it was a highlight of my time in undergrad. And that's despite having the chemistry and the physics and the organic chemistry, all those mundane courses, honestly, that I hated yeah. and that are really weed out classes. I know so many of my friends from college didn't make it through because of those classes. And shadowing a doctor really gave me um, that motivation. It was like the light at the tunnel. And because I could see the end product, it just kept me, it pushed me to get through those classes. Because those classes are no joke. 
I bet. Um, I mean, it I mean is look, doable. It is doable. I was I was a broadcaster major, and mm-hmm. you know, I look back and similar to what you just said about how a lot of those classes were mundane. Um, yeah. you know, I feel like a lot of people have to take a lot of mundane classes that they don't really care about. It's like yeah, your major, sure. your major right. is what so you care about. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. universal across all different types of fields. Um, so I, I felt that when you said, you know, you had to go through all these mundane classes and even though it wasn't, you know, all those classes you had to take, I mean, I ain't have to, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't have made it. I ain't gonna lie. I wouldn't have made it. I would have been done after a semester, but you know, relative to my industry, they were mundane so i get it mm-hmm. but you know your drive yeah. is what mm-hmm. pushing through it right like you said you know what i gotta go through it as part of the process yeah. so let me just stick with it and and i think that's beautiful because so many of us we lose that drive because of those mundane you know um it is. And I, I would, exactly and it's it saddens me honestly to think about it because i did not do stellar in those classes like at all to be honest like i did not like my when I graduated from the University of Chicago, my GPA was barely a 3.0. I would put that out there. Like mm. it was a struggle for me. And I really didn't start to like recover until like junior, like the middle of junior year and then senior year. Uh, but it was those courses and they, it can be really depressing too, because it's like, you know that you have to take these courses to get to the next level, right? Yeah. But they are so much, it's so much information and, and and it's like you, and it's nothing you've ever experienced before, like in high school and no one prepares you for it. And you really don't have a lot of help, honestly, you know, um, unless you, you know, like some of us, we created study groups, but really you don't have that, like that's that support you have, I guess I would say, when you back at like your home school, like a high yeah. school where everybody you grew up with was there. Yeah. You're like you don't have that. So um, it, it, it was really depressing, you know, going through that and just trying to stay motivated. And let know? me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Um, were there a lot of blacks in your classes? Um, mm-hmm. Were you always the minority in these classes? I was. I was yeah. a minority in this class. There were other... Um, African American, African, Hispanic, let me see, um, Indian, South Asian students, but it was not, it wasn't a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I would say in terms of black, I was like one of maybe 10, I would say, sometimes in some classes, I think probably a bit more, but. And I'm sure that can part, add another uh, level of, you know, stress too and Isolation. i'm not trying to yeah. yeah i'm not yeah i'm not trying to make it a race thing but let's just be real race is real in america so you it know is. i can only imagine having to go through all of that mm-hmm. on top of the fact you can't really even relate to other people you know like you exactly, just talked about support yeah. i'm sure like some of your classmates um from asian descent or european descent they probably have friends you know um or people that can relate sure. to you yeah. know um, their backgrounds and their past that they can, you know, band together with. So I think that's very admirable that you was not only able to push through those mundane classes and even your major classes, but on top of the fact you were isolated, like you said, in some cases. Yeah, yeah. Oh, honestly, yeah, honestly, it was. And, um, you know, it really was a grace of God that I got through. Um, and I was, after that, I, you know, because my GPA was low, and I took the MCAT. The MCAT is the admissions test for med school. Okay. That was not great either. Um, you didn't pass or? I passed it, but it wasn't like, 
I didn't stellar. Know that now. It, it wasn't stellar. It wasn't like the, the 30s, I think, it, what it is now, where they want you to be. Okay. Honestly, I think my, the first one I took was like 18 or something like that, which is pretty you know, low. You know what? Side note, it just dawned on me. Um, I first learned about MCATs because of uh, Meet the Parents. Um, <laughs> ben Stiller's okay. character, he had to take that. He kept yeah. talking about, uh, oh, he got to yeah, pass the MCAT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just dawned on me. Okay, so now we're at the Meet the Parents stage, right? Not exactly, literally. Exactly. But, meet the Parents okay. stage. I'm going to figure out how do I get into med school. Right. And also, remember, okay, so we graduated from college in 2010. The housing market crashed. Yeah. So yeah, it did. I think you're not going to, we forget that. Like, we went through, like, one of the worst economic, like, disruptions you know crashes whatever you want to call it since the great depression yeah and that affected my family and we were you know we're super poor like you know my mom's a single mom it was seven kids seven of us like we were constantly you know we moved from different houses to our harvey and then um we finally ended up in dalton at the time we were still living in harvey and um i mean we finally moved to dalton um my mom was able to buy a house right before the market crash but then like you know she started having trouble you know, with the house. And I graduated and could not find a job. Graduated yeah. with a degree from a prestigious Ivy League institution and could not get a job at Walmart. And I applied for Walmart. I applied to be like the cart collector. Yeah. Because so, I was going to work while I studied for the MCAT. Could not get a job. Um, and then you know, and it was, that was also a hard time for me. And I was, it was a lot of crying, a lot of tears, because I knew that being a doctor is my dream. And again, it's like, how am I going to get there? Yeah. You know, like something else now I have to go through. But, you know, I did a lot of search, searching, praying, meditation, and something told me to apply anyway. Just, just apply. So I took the MCAT. Again, this time I got a 26. Huge jump. It was a huge jump. It was a huge jump. You know, I didn't have a job. I'm just going to study. I studied um, and I did the best I could, you know, to help my mom, you know, with the bills and everything. Um, I retook the test. I got a higher score and I applied for med school and UIC gave me a position. Mm. So that I think... And that's like one of my greatest moments in my life, honestly, that I was again in a dark place and could not figure out, you know, the way to go. It's like the end result is in my mind, of course, because I did so many opportunities, but it's like, how do I get myself there? You know, yeah. my given who I am and all the things I have and the things I don't have, how do I get to the end result? And it was just... Honestly, I think it was just divine intervention for me. Like, I didn't do anything special. I didn't know anybody. I just tried again. I, I studied hard um, the next time, and, you know, it worked out. Um, UIC, they have this wonderful program. It's through their urban health program, which I highly recommend for anybody who's thinking about med school and they don't have, like, the best score or the best grades. The urban health program is they have this post-baccalaureate program for two years where it's like you audition to be in med school. They will, they put you in the same classes. 
Um, and depending on how well you do, if you get a C above, then you get an automatic spot in that school. And mm. I did really well there. Um, pretty much got all A's and I got, you know, a C into med school and I did really well in med school. I graduated um, a top 15% of my class. Wow, beautiful. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it was like that, I would say med school, like really was like the best time for me because um, it, it, you know, it showed a side of me that I didn't know. I didn't know I could be that tough because I really am a softie. Mm -hmm. uh, we all um, have soft sides. We all have soft we sides. We do, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, I stuck with it. And I think for all of you out there, go, being a doctor is hard in America. Like, it is so hard. And, you know, people will tell you all different things to do and who to go, you know, who to talk to and where to go. But you just have to stick with it, you know, stick with it do the best as you can and look out for opportunities that you know that will put you um um sort of get you to the next the next spot and yeah. the urban health program at the university of illinois really did that for me and so, like i sing their praises all the time so um what year did you uh take the, so what year did you get the 26 on the mcas and get into uic so um i took oh I want to say my age now. Can we count back, bro? Uh, so in 2010, I graduated at University of Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I would say, uh, I so it was that actually that summer, a few months after graduation. When you I got to 26. Yeah. Okay, and then you got into UIC that fall. Got, no, it was the next year. Okay. So yeah, 2011, mm -hmm. 2011. And what year did you graduate from there? So the postdoc program two years. So mm -hmm. I started med school in 2013 and I graduated in 2017. Right. Cause med school is like a whole Four lifetime, years. right? Um, much, okay. Yeah. So, so you graduated from UIC. Now you're, um, you're officially a doctor at this point. Is that how that works? I am. I'm a doctor. Okay. So you're officially a doctor once you graduate from med you school. You are, you have an MD. You have an um, MD. You are, right, but you are not board certified or licensed. Okay, tell us about that. Exactly. So medicine's a long process. So after med school, um, you graduate with a doctor of medicine that says that you have acquired the knowledge to treat um, ailments that affect the human body. Okay. But in the United States, you need a license. And you have to be board certified in a specialty that you want to practice in. So to get the license, we take more exams. Adjustment an exam, whatever state you're in, where you get that license. Um, and then to be board certified, like since I want to be a surgeon, right now I am in surgery residency. So I am a surgical resident and this is for seven years. Four to seven years? It's seven years. Seven years. Okay, board residency. Seven. And that's, is that mm -hmm. like a um, like an apprenticeship in a sense? Or what is, is that? Is that? Of, okay. mm -hmm. It is an apprenticeship where we um, we do operate with the like the faculty or the attendings that you see. It's sort of like Grey's Anatomy in a sense. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like okay. the only sense where, you know, they started off as residents and they were like following the attendings around and talking about the plans. 
So that's what we do. And then as each year we step up and we do more of the operation with the attendings, we get more responsibility, more autonomy in the OR. But right, everything so it's is like they're acclimating, they're acclimating exactly. you bit by bit. And you choose the field that you want to, like the specialty you want to go into, right? Like after, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you're a surgeon resident right now? Yep, yep, and, I am. And, and where are you based out of? Like what hospital and things like that? Yeah, so um, I at the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Um, okay. Program of General Surgery. So the way this works is I do general surgery for seven years. And then since I want to be a heart surgeon, there's another um, program called fellowship and that's for two years. So um, right now mm-hmm. I am in my, yeah, I am in my, I guess you would say fourth year in residency, but it's really called second year because we take two years off to do um, research. Okay. And then at the end of this summer, I go back and I complete my, the last three years of general surgery training. Mm. And and the uh, the residency is all at the same place, correct? It is all at the same place. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like a um, kind of like a uh, so in a sense, University of Wisconsin hired you, quote unquote. They did. Yep. Yep. It's still like uh, a higher, like I yeah. still get a salary, correct? Yeah. With benefits. Um, yeah, that, that's a major key. Major it key. is major, man. Major. <laughs> Especially after you've been, you know, in yeah. school for like most of your life. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. We, we are salaried. Um, we are hired by university. Like um, they have insurance, you know, for us, like malpractice insurance. Um, but again, we are train in training so they call us trainees so i'm training to be a surgeon and you know training to be a heart surgeon mm. wow heart surgery so like not just surgery but heart surgery like let's let's talk yeah. about heart surgery <laughs> and like um you know as it pertains to just the general population but you know i kind of want to focus on black americans as well yeah you know why, why are we so at risk when it comes to um diseases such as heart disease, you know, Absolutely, um, yeah. stuff like that. Like, can you, can you explain some of that for us? Sure. I, I sure can. So it is a um, multitude of factors. Um, it is, um, you know, diet, you know, lack of exercise. And sometimes for us, it's a lack of a place to exercise, you know, not being able to afford going to the gym, um, you know, being in places like, you know, Harvey, where there's like no grocery stores, like food desert, Yeah. you know, not having adequate, you know, food, you know, not let let alone organic food. Exactly. You know, we don't have a lot of grocery stores. Um, So not, not even having, uh, you know, access to like good food. You don't have, you know, don't have access to just like regular fruits and vegetables, Um, you know, smoking, um, alcohol, all of those things affect, you know, the, the cholesterol, um, content and, you know, in your blood vessels. And then with stress, racism, you know, that increases your blood pressure, you know, all the, the, the trauma, all of the things that we go through, it accumulates in our bodies. So racism really kills. Oh, it does. Absolutely. I mean, (laughs) there was a big, I mean, to, to go off of, um, heart disease, there was this big study in Florida that came out that showed that babies born 
having white OB-GYN physicians have a higher mortality rate. So they have a higher risk of death than mm. white babies born to white doctors or white babies who are born with black doctors. And that black babies who have black doctors survive. Wow. So racism is real and is real in healthcare. It's always been there. Wow. But we're just really finally, you know, seeing it and they're finally believing it. You know, um, I, I was reading a book um, titled Medical Apartheid. Apartheid, yes. Yeah. Yes. Changed my life. It changed, yeah, my, it life. changed my life. I, met, I was, you know, I probably got to like half that book. Um, in one sitting because I just got so angry. Yep, same here. It, it took same here. Some time for me to read the rest of the book. Cause like once you see things and you see how this system has pervaded all aspects of our lives and, and being black, including in the health in the healthcare system, like is it, it's almost like what hasn't been done. You know what I mean? Like Yeah what else can they do to me? You know, what else can they do to us that they haven't done already? Yeah. And you just see how we're, we've been set up to fail, you know? Um, and I am, I'm just blessed. Like, I wish that my story wasn't unique. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just blessed. I was able to navigate this because it's, you know, it's been hard. I didn't have, again, any exposure, any guidance through it. You know, I just did the best that I could. Uh, but yeah, the, all, all the societal, environmental, genetic factors come together. And for us, you know, uh, because a lot of us, you know, are afraid to go see doctors as we should because all the things that have been done to us, you know, we may not go when we feel pain. We may not go when we start having chest pain. And then once we finally do, you know, things are even worse than when it started. So. Uh, you know, a lot of the problem, the healthcare system really has to change. If they're really going to be serious about affecting change for black and people of color, then the system has to change. Um, you know, because they they created this 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 issue where we are afraid to go see doctors, we are afraid to get healthcare because we don't know what something what's going to happen to us. And it's a yep. problem that they created. Yep. So I always say, like, if they want to fix it, like, we we can't fix it. You know what I mean? Like, you have to fix it. So you know, it's kind of like my uh, grandma, rest in peace. Um, when mm-hmm. she when she was in a nursing home about six years ago, six seven years ago, when she first got mm-hmm. admitted to the nursing home, she raised hell because mm-hmm. they gave her mm-hmm. a white nurse. Because they gave oh, her yeah. a white nurse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I knew why. You know what I'm saying? But Absolutely. the older yep. I get, the more I read, like we just mentioned, medical apartheid, um, the more I read books like that and, you know, other books like it, um, like Killing the Black Body, that's another book I've read. Mm-hmm. The more I take in this information, I see why she raised hell. You know, my grandma at the time was um, about, she yep. was like 87, 88 at the time. Ain't no telling what she seen in exactly. her day. You know, exactly. And, you know, um, I'm not against the COVID vaccine, but I understand mm-hmm. why so many black people are. Oh, absolutely. I right? I do not. You know, like I understand I why some yeah. don't want to take it. I get it. I I get it 100. And I haven't mm-hmm. taken it yet. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I get it. You know, there's no really right or wrong answer, but I just don't think people can really be angry at others for feeling the way they feel. Um, when it comes 100%. to that, 
you know, because it, and I, yeah, and and like like I said, the 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 United States healthcare system created this problem, and now that that there is a public crisis, they expected people to change. Like it does not happen that way. Um, um, yeah, so I I I agree hundred percent. Like, never never push treatments or anything to anyone. It is the patient's right to refuse anything that they want, regardless of what we say. When patients tell me they take like holistic um, medicines, I'm like, oh, cool. Which ones? Tell me. I'm into that. You know, what I mean? so, uh, like, yeah, yeah. you know, like I want to get down. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I just ordered me some sea moss. <laughs> Oh, like yeah. taking my elderberry, yeah. Like I, I, I don't. I, you know, because like, be, because I always enjoy learning. You know, like I know you never know what's out there in God's creation. Just because I can't prove it in a, you know, an science experiment doesn't mean that it's not real. It's just that we haven't proven it yet. So you know, I'm always open to learning and open to new information. And I feel like all physicians should be that way. So I got two questions um, to piggyback Ooh, uh-huh. off that, uh, piggyback off a lot of points. I have two questions. The first question is about the system changing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What's more important for the system to change? Is it getting more Black Americans into the medical field, whereas, you know, whether it's um, healthcare professionals or on yeah. administrative uh-huh. side, or is it more so on, you know, people that aren't Black realizing how things mm. are and you know putting taking initiative to change it what do you think is more important that's a hard question oh man it is. It is. <laughs> you know from my experience and this is just just this is my opinion um and from my experience right now and i think the the quickest and most efficient way to get things to change is to have more people of color as physicians, nurses, administrative staff, like throughout the whole hospital. Okay. Because the level of distrust is still, it's it's almost like insurmountable. So I think the more we see each other, the more we can start to be able to trust. I think, honestly, I think trying to change people's minds is going to take a long time. And this couple of years has showed that. And I don't have time to wait. I don't have time to wait knowing that people look like me are still dying because of people who don't look like me. So Mm. we need to do more to bring Black people, Hispanics, Latinx, Native American, Indian, every person of color, more higher population into the medical field. I think that's the fastest way to do it. Um, Where I'm at now, like I'm the only African-American female uh, resident. And there's only, at first there were two black men. They hired two more, so it's four. So it's only like a handful of us. And, and you're I, woman. I'm the only woman. I'm the only woman there. Yep. And they've only had three in the whole history of that, of this university. In the whole history. 
Yep, only and, had three. And University of Wisconsin, I'm not sure the numbers, but I'm sure it's been around since the 1800s. Yes, it has been. <laughs> As you can imagine, any university, yep. Like, like one, every, one every half century, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Wow. Pretty That's, much. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it shows you the, the culture. It shows you, you know, the priority. Um, but now, because they are hearing us loud and clear, finally, they're taking us seriously. <clears throat> so they really are recruiting, and they put me um, on a couple of committees to increase the diversity and also to retain. Because sometimes, you know, it's hard to stay in certain places once mm-hmm. you get there. Yeah. Oh, you got to recruit and retain. Yeah. Um, and it's it's been a, a a real joy to be a part of that process here, but it's it takes time to change people's minds. So you know, I I think the best way to get change right now is to have more of us, mm-hmm. whether they like it or not. What are um some quick tips you can give people to just try to live a healthier life, try to keep their mm-hmm. heart strong? You know, um, regardless of the age. What can they do? <laughs> what I said, it's twerking. <laughs> twerking. <laughs> that's good exercise. I mean, that's for like good cardio. <laughs> I heard it's a good exercise. Good cardio, all of it. Just like hopping. Hopping. Exactly. Hopping, you know. You know. Cardio. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, oh, and that's hard. You know, um, I would say, okay. I would say... Like, I know, like, the food places that we have. If you can, try to, even if it's canned, try to eat as much vegetables as possible. Okay. Um, eat fruits, apples, oranges. They have a lot of fiber, and it's really good. It really cleanses you out. Um, let me see. You know, exercise is always big for people. It's always hard to do. If you can, if you're in a place where it's safe for you, you know, I would say do a walk, a jog. And I've been telling my mom this, you know, at least walk around, you know, do a power walk if you can. And it helps a little bit really, you know, goes a long way and things yeah. start to chip down. The weight will go down, um, you know, your blood pressure will steadily go down, you know, and drink water. Like water is still so underrated. Drink as it's much water as possible. Water is the goat, you know. Uh, I've been drinking yeah, more. Water. I've been drinking more and more water lately, and I'm still not drinking enough. Um, Me too. You know, I'm still Me not drinking too. enough. You know, yeah. I, I run a lot. Uh, I ran. I ran track in high school, mm-hmm. and I've been like on a journey to like get my speed back since about 2016. So okay. that's that's really what I do in the summer times, and like when I go on vacation, we go on vacation. I try to run, um, and in the winter months here in Chicago, obviously can't do that outside. So I run on the treadmill. So I read that you know, like similar to literally what you just said, like even just a walk for fifteen minutes a day can help strengthen, you know, um, your heart. It does. I mean, you know, and um, it strengthens, you know, your heart. It strengthens your joints, your muscles. Uh, and honestly, it also, it just, it helps the brain, you know, it re- releases what we call endorphins. That's like the chemical or the hormone in the brain that gives you the feeling of pleasure and, you know, feeling good about yourself. So, you know, and that's a, one way that our body relieves stress, you know, once you like, you feel good that you did that walk or you get that power walk in, you know, already your body is less stressed. 
my last question that I have for you is, you know, you're from Harvey, Illinois. Harvey World, yeah. Um, all those siblings, you know, single mother. Mm-hmm. Medicine chose you. You didn't choose medicine. Yeah. Um, you know, you you felt isolated in, you know, undergrad. You felt that you um, got a low MCAT score. Um, mm-hmm. You know, even right now, you're the only black woman in your residency. Yeah. What, what's what's a central motivation over all of that? Like you said, you, you wanted to be a surgeon, but what was the motivation yeah. to get to where you are now and to continue on that route to ultimately being where you want to be? What was that central theme over your entire life, if you can reflect on that? Yeah, it is to come back and work for my people. Mm. Yeah. I, that, this is actually what I want to do. Like, to me, it would be perfect. I could, once I finished all my training, is to go work at Inglis. You mm. know? Um, Literally go back home. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. 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 Mm. Because I truly believe if I, if I want to change something, I have to be a part of the solution. You know? Like, we don't have no more time for lip service. Like, it's too much going on in the world. Like, we are so talented and so full of genius and potential. Like, as Black people, that's something we can't do. So if we really want to change our communities, we have to be in the community. So when I have, you know, my dark days and I'm exhausted and, you know, I had a long, stressful, you know, day in OR, I think about home. I go in and go on Facebook and look at your posts, you know, and make me laugh. <laughs> and I think about, you know, everybody at home. And this is what gets me through the day, you know, you know, besides my family and my husband and, you know, knowing that God put me here for a reason. And I think that reason is to, you know, to help people who look like me, who help people who don't have, also don't have the things, you know, that I did, you know, who weren't rich you know don't have health care and you know who come for disadvantaged backgrounds you know that's that's who i want to be you know that, that's the place where i, I want to be so i think for me that's been my biggest motivation and and really my inspiration to keep going you know a lot of us don't think that way like a lot of us do let me correct myself a lot of us do i think it's becoming people are more common to see it now yeah, yeah it's, it's becoming more common, more common. Mm-hmm. um but just to hear that, that's that's how it should be. That's how it yeah. needs to be because we have to go back and rebuild the wall. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of um, my favorite biblical story, the story of Nehemiah and mm-hmm. you know, how he literally left the, the king's palace to go back to Jerusalem to build the wall. Yeah. Because that was the home of his ancestors. And that's that sounds like exactly what you want to do. You want to go back. Yeah. to Harvey, Illinois, and build the wall. I do, I do. And, um, you know, there's so many of us talented. They were from, like, Harvey Markham and Dog Riverdale. Like, there's so much history of us there. And, um, you know, and the, the communities that they're, you know, they're just not thriving because, you know, the population is, isn't where it was, it once was. And, you know, there's a lot that can that we can do to make it better, you know, to make our communities better. Um, you know, when, when I would say, when people ask me where I'm from, oh, and I would say Harvey, they probably don't know where Harvey is, of course. So I say, you know, it's a suburb of Chicago. Immediately when I say Chicago, they think of gangs, they think of violence, they think of, you know, poverty. And 
at first it used to anger me. I used to get really, really upset about it, but now it's a badge of honor. I'm like, yep, I'm from Harvard. Yep, I'm from um, East Boris, South Side of Chicago. Yep, yep, I was from all of that, and look where I am now. You know, like, <laughs> it upset me so much when the first thing that people would say when you say Chicago is gangs. It's, it's like, there's so much more to Chicago than that. But even not so, like even if that weren't so, so what? Like I'm from there. You're talking, you're looking at me, but you're thinking about violence. You know what I mean? Like it's retarded, but <laughs> but well, now I just see it as a badge of honor. They're still looking at a doctor. Exactly. Yep. If this podcast has benefited you in any way, shape, or form, as always, I ask for two things. Number one, leave a five-star review. And number two, pass it on to a friend who may benefit from it as well. 